All right. Let's get into the word. Thank you for being patient. Those are important things. And uh, we're excited about it. All right. Today we're starting a new series called The Gospel of the Kingdom. The Gospel of the Kingdom. All right. I, I think that, that oftentimes uh, we, we believe a gospel that is more of our own making than what Jesus taught. We believe a gospel of our own making than what Jesus actually taught. And because of that, Christians give themselves to causes instead of following Jesus. Social causes, economic causes, political causes, etc., etc., etc. A lot of those causes seem to be good. But are we giving ourselves to building the kingdom of God. I think a lot of times we miss the kingdom of God. What, what is the kingdom of God? It's, it's where the, the, the rule and reign of our king, Jesus Christ, is established. That's the kingdom of God. Simplest terms. Wherever the rule and reign of King Jesus is established, that's the kingdom of God. Okay? But I think so. more than often, we as Christians miss it. What is it? So a lot of times it's, it's like we're, we're keeping religious traditions, we're keeping up with our denomination, we're keeping up with our church subscribes to, we're keeping up with these ideas and concepts that we've created in our own minds. We're keeping up with rules and regulations. This, this scripture is not in the notes for today, but Romans chapter 14, verse 17 and 18 tells us what the kingdom is. It says it's not in rules and regulations. But the kingdom of God is righteousness peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Do you know why I say that most of the time we as Christians miss the kingdom of God? Because we don't live righteously, we don't have peace, and we don't have joy. So any, I, I believe this. You, in, anywhere that we miss the mark, of, uh, the mark that God has set, we're not experiencing the kingdom of God. Anywhere that we're not experiencing peace, we're not experiencing this kingdom that God intends for us to live in. Anytime that we're not experiencing joy, we're missing out on what God has for us. John, John Hagee taught this concept. Uh, he's a pastor down in San Antonio where I used to live, and he taught this concept. And he, and, and he said, you know, here's people talking all the time about finding the will of God, finding the will of God, finding the will of God. Here, and he said, here's, here's a simple tool that you can use. And it's that scripture uh, in, in Romans 14, verse 18, which says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You, you know that you're walking in the will of God if it's righteous, if you have faith for it, because faith, righteousness comes by faith, right? So you, you ask yourself the question, is this God's will? Do I have faith for it? Number two, do you have peace about it? And number three, does it bring you joy? Because I believe when we're walking in God's will, all three of those things will line up. We, we, he will give us faith, even in difficult situations and impossible circumstances. God will give us faith. He will give us peace. And he will give us joy. If you're going through life and you're experiencing that, and you're living, you're living from a place of righteousness, you're living from a place of joy, you're living from a place of peace, you are experiencing the kingdom of God. 
right? And I'm not talking about counterfeit peace and counterfeit joy. And I'm talking about the, the pure joy, the pure peace, and the righteousness that comes from our Lord. When we're experiencing that, we are experiencing God's kingdom manifesting on planet Earth through our life. I believe that. All right? So I think a lot of the reason we miss this is because we, we just miss Jesus altogether, right? Remember that passage we, we, we did two weeks ago, this message called the Red Letter Messages, right? The, the, the words of Jesus are those red letters in your scriptures, depending on what translation you have. But in some of the Bibles, the, those red letters. So the words of Jesus, we, we miss Jesus. And we talked about how, I think it's in, in John chapter 5, Jesus said, search the scriptures for in them you think you have life, but they testify of me. And you won't come to me that you might actually have life, right? So you can read your Bible and miss the purpose of God. You can do a Bible study. And I love this quote. One of my, one of my favorite teachers, he, he used to say this. If you study the Bible and it doesn't teach you something about Jesus, you haven't really done a Bible study. The whole purpose of reading Scripture is to find something out about Jesus. So over the last few weeks, I've been just rereading the Gospels. And allowing the Gospels to speak and trying to get rid of all of my, my concepts, what I've been taught over life, all the misconceptions that maybe have formed in my heart about the Bible and about Scripture. I've tried to get rid of those and just to purely read the words of Jesus. I, I, I would challenge you to do it. it. I believe it will revolutionize your life. Listen, this is a quote from Albert Einstein, of all people. Listen to this. He says, no one can read the Gospels without feeling the actual presence of Jesus. His personality pulsates in every word. No myth is filled with such life. That's Albert Einstein. And that's the reality. As we read the gospel, we're reading the kingdom manifesto, the teaching of Jesus Christ. Amen? And I believe more than ever, we need to go back to that. We need to be willing to let go of religious traditions, of misleadings, of misconceptions, of things that we have constructed, and we need to embrace the gospel that Jesus taught. If we'll do that, I believe it'll revolutionize our lives and it will revolutionize the world. Jesus preached. What did he preach? He preached a message and it was the kingdom of the gospel. Let's look in Matthew chapter one. It says that after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching what? The gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the good news. The gospel is good news. Amen? The gospel ought to give us hope. Whenever the gospel is preached, it ought to give us hope and not despair. Now, it will convict us, but it won't condemn us. See, condemnation brings that despair. Somebody said it this way, that when, when conviction comes, it, it, it makes us feel like through the power of God's spirit, we can change. But when condemnation comes, it just makes us feel like we're miserable failures that can never change. That's what condemnation does to us. Right? That's, why, that's why it says, for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Right? The gospel is a message of good news. That's literally what that word gospel means. Good news. Right? So it's a message of good news, and it's what 
what Jesus taught. Even after the resurrection, I want you to see this. Look in Acts chapter 1. We saw this in our Bible study on Wednesday night. And if you come this Wednesday, you'll see some great things in there too. So come. Say, I'm coming. I hope to see you there. Acts chapter 1, look at this. And, and this is written by Luke. Luke also wrote, guess what other book Luke wrote? Luke. You, you guys are Bible scholars. That's awesome. Luke wrote Luke, and he also wrote the book of Acts. And, and he wrote to this man called Theophilus, which means a lover of God. And he writes to Theophilus, he says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do, of, do and teach, referring back to his gospel, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also had presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days. And what was he doing during those 40 days? Speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. This message that Jesus preached, the things that Jesus taught, were concerning the kingdom of God. That was the message of Jesus. Okay? The primary reason Jesus came to earth was to inaugurate the kingdom of God. Often we, we hear that the reason Jesus came to the earth was to die on a cross. You know, he, he actually prayed in Gethsemane to see if that was the will of God. He wasn't certain. He prayed seeking the will of God, and then when he realized the will of God was to go to the cross, that the kingdom would not come without the cross, then he submitted to the cross. But his purpose for coming was not the cross until he knew that that was the will of the Father. His purpose in coming was to establish the kingdom of God. He didn't come to die on the cross, but that death on the cross was for the purpose of establishing God's kingdom on planet Earth. Without that cross, it could not. Because really, the reality, the, the, the reign of God, the reign of Jesus, could not come to our hearts without atonement for our sin. That's the reality. But Jesus came with the purpose of inaugurating a kingdom, bringing in the kingdom of God. So I want to look at a couple of, of, important, of, important, of important statements from Jesus on the kingdom of God. In, in Luke chapter 17, verse 20, it says, When Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come by observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. What, and what does this mean? The kingdom of God comes without observation. In other words, it's, it's not something we see with our eyes. Right? In God's kingdom, if you think with your eyes, you're going to easily be deceived. If you're looking at what you can see, what you can feel, what you can sense, what you can touch, you're going to miss it. It's a big part of what Jesus is saying right here. Right? We walk by 
Come on, we walk by. Amen. That, and by the way, our, our conference theme this year, the Lord put this on my heart, great faith. And we're still going to be teaching on the kingdom, but we're going to come to that part about great faith. We come into the kingdom by faith and no other way. Right? We, in order to experience the kingdom of God, you're, it's not reasoning, it's not human rationale, it's not science. Trust the science. Right? No, it is by faith that the kingdom of God comes to our life. And he says, the kingdom is within you. And most, most often, charismatic or Pentecostal Christians mean that that's on the inside of us. And that is indeed true. We're going to see that by the end of this message. But what Jesus is literally saying is, because I am here in your midst, the, the kingdom is within, it's, it's in the midst of you right now. That's what Jesus is saying. Because I am here, because the king is here, the kingdom is here. This is literally what Jesus is saying. Let's look at one more verse. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. Jesus says, but if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come among you. You see it again? That, that same kind of wording. The kingdom is among you. The kingdom is in your midst. The kingdom is within. Right? What does this mean? That God's kingdom is with us. What, what does it mean that his kingdom is within or in our midst? What, what does that mean? How, here's, here's a better way maybe for us to understand this, this question. How, how does God's kingdom come to us? How does God's kingdom come to us? I, I want to give you uh, four things here and we, we will be done. I'm going to give you three D's and an ID. Okay. David Cook, one of my mentors, he, he, he said in order to, um, to be anointed, you have to use alliteration. He believed that. He preached to us messages with 16 P's and 18 Z's and you name it. So the best I could come up with today is three D's and an ID. All right? So number one, dwelling. Dwelling. John 1.14. Right? The, the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld, beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The kingdom of God comes by the presence of Jesus. That's literally what he's saying in those two passages that we read previously. That's literally what he's saying, right? If I cast out devils, then the kingdom is with you. Kingdom is not coming by observation, but it's already in your midst, and, and he's also, we looked at, going back two weeks ago when we read that Red Letters message, we looked at how these religious leaders were absolutely missing Jesus and his kingdom. They were, they were scholars in the scriptures, but they missed the revelation about Jesus and his kingdom. They missed the kingdom of God. And he's saying this to them again. Look, th th this isn't coming by observation. You guys are trying to connect dots and put things together, and you're only going to perceive the kingdom of God by faith. That's the only way it's going to come to you. And, 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 and he's saying that to them here. Right? So it comes wherever Jesus is present. Jesus went about for three and a half years establishing the kingdom of God. Establishing the rule of the king. And how, how is the kingdom established? Whenever a heart comes under the authority of King Jesus, God's kingdom is extended. 
I'm about to get ahead of myself, but let, let me say this. So we'll, we'll get a little bit into this maybe today, definitely, definitely this afternoon. Jesus did not come, come to take over in human government. If you can grasp this, it will free you from a lot of the nonsense that we see moving in our nation today. Jesus did not come to take over human governments. He will come to take over human governments. Jesus came to take over in the heart of man. The kingdom is never advanced through politics. How is the kingdom advanced? Through preaching. And every time that a heart is converted, the kingdom is extended. And I'm not saying that that will not have an effect on a nation, because it absolutely will. You're, you're fed up with some of the nonsense that's moving in our nation. How, how do we change that? Go and preach the gospel. Because if we can change the heart of a population, we'll change the politics of the population. We'll change the way that people vote. We'll change the way that people lead. We need a revival, not a political revolution. We need a revival of the word of God, of the spirit of God, of, of the people of God going and doing what God called us to do. Amen? If Christians would, and whoever it was that brought the message back about my preaching in, at the conference, here's a big part of what I said. If Christians would spend as much time in the prayer meetings as they do going to political rallies and all of these activist type things, we would revolutionize our nation. Amen? The White House is under the throne of God. Jesus is Lord, regardless of who's in any political office in any nation, Jesus is Lord. And when we will intercede for a nation, we'll see a nation transformed. Principalities and powers are subject to the authority. And we're going to talk about dominion in here in just a minute. God's given us dominion. How does that dominion move? Not through protests. Not by standing outside of clinics and picketing. Not by arguing with people on Facebook about how wicked their political views are. You know how the, the nation's transformed? Through the preaching of the gospel and the prayer of the saints. That will bring about a revival in our nation that will change our name, our, our, our nation. That, that's, what, that's consistent with the word of God. What, what does the, the writer in Chronicles say? If my people who are called by my name will go to the political rallies... Or if they'll, if, they'll, if they'll move into political offices, if they'll get elected to... What happens when they get elected? They get corrupted, usually, because they don't have prayer. Prayer brings in the kingdom of God. Things happen. You, you look at, at Daniel's prayer. What happened? God sent an angel to him in his prayer, and what was he doing? He was, he was battling... With the Prince of Persia. See, there are things moving in, 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 in realms, spiritual realms. And if we can move things in spiritual realms, we'll change things in our nations that, that, that the greatest campaign in the history of America cannot change. Our prayer is powerful. We have been given authority and dominion, and that's a big part. We're going to see this. It's the, I think it's the second or the third D that's on our list today. But one of the Ds is dominion, authority. There is great power and authority in our prayer. 
And we need to realize that. God has given us an authority. God has given us a dominion. Amen? Come on. Don't get mad because I got up in your political business. I have to pat myself on the back and encourage myself. Come on, preacher. You're doing good. So number one, dwelling. Wherever Jesus is manifest, the kingdom of God is present. Number one, dwelling. Number two, discipleship. We're not going to get too much into this right now. If you want to really get into this, come this afternoon because we're going to be talking about this. Discipleship. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and spoke saying, all authority, all dominion has been given to me. The kingdom has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Republican part or the Democrat. No. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Do you know why we have the stuff moving in our nation that's moving? It's not because of the politicians. It's because the church has failed to teach people to observe the teaching of Jesus. We got Christians watching movies they shouldn't be watching. Doing things online they shouldn't be doing. Involved in lifestyles they shouldn't be involved in. And then they wonder why generations are going the way that they're going. Because the church isn't living the way that it's supposed to be living. And let me, let me say this. This has been on my heart. This is totally off subject, but this has been on my heart. I have noticed, and I think there was something newly legalized from what I understand listening to the radio. There's been things legalized here in the state of Indiana towards gambling. I want to say this loud and clear. God does not bless gambling. Go and read the Bible. Gambling does not bring blessing. According to Scripture, it brings a curse. And I think it's important that we say this because you know how I know that this is something huge that's it's probably affecting dozens of men and women in this building today? You know how I know that? Because I heard an ad this week saying, if you will place a $5 bet, we will give you $200. Why are they doing that? It's because they are raking money from people by the billions with a B. You will not win gambling. You will end up in ruin. It needs to be said. It needs to be declared. We need the wisdom of God on this. We don't, don't get caught up in that. Don't think that your $20 bet is going to change your fi financial outlook because, and you can't pay your bills. It will bring you, that perspective will bring you to ruin. Don't waste a penny on gambling. I, I, I gambled for the last time when I was 21 years old and not even go through the story. I, I refuse to let the enemy rob me. Invest in God's kingdom. Invest in your family. Invest in things and don't throw your money. It needs to be said because I, I, I can hear it. It's, it's taken over ESPN. It's taken over sports radio. It's taken over everything. And the reason it's taken over it's because it is robbing Americans of billions of dollars that they should be using to either advance the gospel, build their family, or to, to build generational wealth in their household. We have to wise up. We have to wise up. Off, off course, off topic, but I think it's an important thing that needs to be said. I, I really believe this. I believe that it's, it's crippling households today, and we need to declare that. Be free of that. 
Don't get caught up in the bondage. It is a bondage. Galatians said it is for freedom that you have been freed. It is for freedom that you have been freed. Amen? It is not wise. I need to say it one more time, loud and clear. It is not wise. It is foolish to gamble your money. Okay? Moving on. Y'all are quiet today, but I'm going to keep preaching. Discipleship. We need to go. How, how is the kingdom advanced? Number one, through, through the presence of Jesus, his dwelling. Number two, through discipleship. We disciple the nations, and the, through that, the kingdom of God is established throughout all of the earth. Right? And it's happening. It's happening. There's an amazing video. I wish I queued that up. There's this amazing video that shows over the last 2,000 years the spread of the gospel. And it's just this beautiful thing of the gospel going to the nations. It's this graph that just kind of expands. And it runs for about 45 seconds. And it shows over the last 2,000 years how the gospel of the kingdom has expanded to the nations of the earth. Some of the most radical growth in the, in the nations is in the most uh, violent, oppressive nations that are opposed to the gospel, yet somehow it's flourishing in those nations. It's a beautiful thing. The gospel of the kingdom is advancing. Don't believe CNN, Fox, or any of the other outlets. We're going to win. We're going to win. Number three, so dwelling through the presence of Jesus, the kingdom is established through discipleship. Number three, through dominion. It is God's intent for us to be people, his people, to be people of dominion. And that's not so you can gain wealth and live in big houses and drive fancy cars. It's so that we can be instruments used to advance the kingdom of God throughout all the earth. It's so that we can bring glory to Jesus. It's so we can see the the kingdom of God established throughout all the earth. God has given us dominion, right? Genesis chapter 1, from the beginning, this was God's intent. Genesis chapter 1, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. It was God's intent from the beginning that man would have dominion. Right? You agree or disagree? And something I want to point out there with that dominion is the words in that verse, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. The kingdom of God has as its nature a nature of multiplication, a nature of increase. God's kingdom is multiplying. To the increase of his government, there shall be no end. The rule and reign of our King Jesus is, is, is advancing throughout all the earth. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. My, my eschatology is changing. For a long time, many of us have had this eschatology that says we're just here to endure and, and be the devil's punching bag until Jesus returns. New. No. On the contrary, we are here to advance the kingdom of light, to push back darkness, to take territory, to occupy, Jesus said, until I come. That word occupy is, doesn't mean to sit in your, uh, your little comfy couch. Occupy doesn't mean to sit on the church pew and take up space. It's a military term. That means take over. Take over. Jesus' intent is to take over, right? And that's the beautiful thing about politics. Jesus didn't show up to take sides. He didn't show up to be red or blue. He showed up to be king. Amen? 
Lord of all. I don't care who's in the White House, Jesus is king. I don't care what any government throughout the earth, I don't care who's there, Jesus is king. And I'm not gonna let any government, any political system, any movement, any demonic force stop me from living out the faith that I have. The White House can't control me. They can cut my head off, but they cannot control me. They can put me in prison, but they cannot control me. Amen? I'm all in in the kingdom of God. Dominion. Revelation 5 and 10. God has made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. It's God's intent, it's God's purpose for us as the children of God to reign, to rule, to have dominion. This is God's purpose for us as the people of God. Listen to what Timothy said, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11. This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. You see that? We shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, I love this, he remains faithful. It's beautiful. He remains faithful, and he cannot deny himself. I love that. God intends for us to be a people of dominion. The kingdom of God comes wherever the presence of Jesus dwells, wherever the people of God are discipling, and wherever we are exercising this dominion that God has intended for us to have. So how, how does this come? I told you I've got three Ds and an ID. And let me just say this before I, before I move on. The kingdom of Jesus is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. Amen? The kingdom of God will not pass away. The kingdom of God will not be, be defeated. It's moving throughout all the earth. And you, you may be concerned about what you see in your children and their generation. Listen, I am not worried one bit. Not one bit. Look at the young, young men that are running around this building and their hearts for God. I ain't worried. Got to preach to 520 of them at a youth camp this summer. Radical, passionate for Jesus. I'm not worried about it. There is going to be a remnant in every generation. God is going to have a people, and his dominion is going to extend from generation to generation. Just want to say that. So how, how, how does it come to us? Lastly, through, through the indwelling presence of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, this, if the spirit of Jesus, or I'm sorry, of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. See, God really, and, and I have to preach the whole book of Romans to, to explain this rightly, but the whole purpose of God's plan from creation to the fall, to redemption, to Pentecost, the whole, the whole if you take all of God's plan in view, it was, it was this, so that his presence, his spirit, could dwell in us. In the garden, you think about that, the relationship that Adam had 
uh, with God. It, it says that he walked with the voice of God. He was in God's presence. He was in God's presence. But God wanted to put that presence in him. And so that, that's the whole course. And you, you wonder sometimes, why, why did God allow sin? And why? If, if you go and read Romans, it, it, it beautifully lays this out. That the whole purpose of this and the heart of this is in Romans chapter 8, the verse that we just read, is that God desired to put his spirit in mankind. It brings us to the text that Pastor Bill preached in, in, in verse 29, that God, God wants to conform us to the image of his son. And in order for that to really happen, his spirit has to be on the inside of us working that out. This is the purpose and the plan of God. That God's spirit would live in us. Why? His spirit can do something for us that his law could not. The law represents the authority of God. It represents the reign of a king. It's the dictates, it's the precepts of a kingdom. But God said, I want to put that in your heart. I want to create an, a, a new heart. And I want to write my word upon your heart. And I want to put my spirit within you. This is the purpose of God. It's the indwelling presence of that same spirit that raised Jesus out of the dead, that lives on the inside. You think about that. If you are baptized in the spirit... If the Spirit of God dwells in your temple, that is the same Spirit that raised Jesus up out of the grave. That was, that's the same Spirit that was operating in creation. You think about that. That Spirit is on the inside of you. And it's there so that the reign of Christ can truly come to our lives. Not because we're trying to jump through the hoops and get all of the rules and regulations and hit all of the marks, but because there's something living on the inside of us that's changing us and transforming us and our hearts have been made new. This is the plan and the purpose of God. There can be no kingdom of God in the world without the kingdom of God in our hearts. One more verse and we're, we're wrapping up. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5 and 18. It talks about this life in the Spirit. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, or envying, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. How many of you spotted at least one that... Just me? How about three? Or six? Working in the old nature. But I'm glad it doesn't end there. I'm really glad it didn't end there because of this next part. Of which I tell you before, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit what? The kingdom of God. That's why I'm thankful for the Spirit. Because those who are led by the Spirit are not under the law. 
Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. How does the kingdom of God come to earth? The indwelling Spirit in our lives changing and transforming us to look like Jesus. I believe that these nine fruits of the Spirit that we just read in this 22nd verse are the characteristics of the nature of our Savior. And then when the Bible talks about us being changed into his likeness and into his image, it is this fruit being worked out into our lives. Love, gentleness, kindness, peace, joy, long-suffering, all nine of these things. See, the only way the kingdom of God is going to be manifest in this world before Christ comes is if we manifest it by the way we live as citizens of heaven and subjects of the king. We need to see ourselves as subjects of the king. I don't, I don't believe if, if we don't view ourselves as subjects of King Jesus, if we don't see him, we, we, I, talk about, I talked about this here recently, but if we just see him as Savior and we don't recognize him as Lord, I don't know that we're really saved. The, the, the call of the gospel of the kingdom starts with the word repentance. That's a determination to turn from the world, our flesh, our way of doing things, our will, and surrendering to Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. Listen, I, I think if, if we were truthful, all of those things, the works of the flesh, I think all of us recognize those things are still bubbling under the surface and, and trying to, you know, like, what was that game, whack-a-mo? Like little whack-a-mo things trying to pop up. Right? Envy wants to pop up and revelry wants to pop up and all these things want to pop up in us and we just got to take the Holy Ghost hammer and just pat, pat, pat. Deny the flesh. And live life to the Spirit of God. To live life to the Spirit of God is to pursue Jesus with all that we have. To be willing to be subject to him. To realize that he is indeed the, the Savior of the world and the Lord of this universe. And his ways are right and perfect and my ways are sinful. And I'm coming and bowing my knees in, in repentance, acknowledging my recognition of that, asking for his mercy and forgiveness. And I'm, like I said, uh, when I got up on this platform, he, he meets us there. We, we expect his judgment. We expect his wrath. We expect the punishment to be delved out. But instead, we find a God of mercy and love and kindness who says, I'm going to breathe upon you and I'm going to change and transform you. I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to write my word upon your heart and I'm going to put my spirit to dwell within you. And I'm going to empower you, not, not just to get, get rid of the consequences of sin, but to get rid of the power of sin and to live an overcoming life and to go forth into this world and to establish the kingdom of Jesus everywhere that you go. We're not beat up. We're not entangled in our sins. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. It is for freedom that you have been freed, not the bondage of sin, not the weight of the, 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 the law resting upon us because of our guilt, but there's freedom and liberty that we experience through the, the, the life of the Spirit of God dwelling in us, bringing the kingdom of God to effect in our lives so that we can go out and extend the kingdom of God to the lives that are around us. This is God's plan. This is God's purpose. This is how God's kingdom comes to planet Earth. This is what it's all about. Let's, let's stand together.
Let me tell you about the good news. Because it is the gospel of the kingdom. You were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And you were at, <coughs> excuse me, at war <coughs> with God. You were opposed to him. You didn't want anything to do with him. That's why you hated to come into church. That's why you didn't want to look at a Bible. That's why you got so upset whenever anybody mentioned the name Jesus. Because your soul was in conflict with the Creator. So the good news is the Creator has come to completely dissolve all of the animosity and all of the hostility. And the Bible says this, that the wrath of God was satisfied in Jesus upon the cross. And, and listen, we deserve the wrath of God. And everybody who doesn't repent is going to get the wrath of God. And well-deserved. But there's an offering for our sins, this man Christ Jesus. And God says in that atonement, there is satisfaction of his anger, of his wrath of his hostility towards us who had rebelled against him. And so he comes and says, whoever will, let him come. He says, send the messengers out and compel them to come into my kingdom. Go to the highways and the byways. Go everywhere and bring everybody who will come and I will make room for them at my table. This is the, bless the glorious blessing of the gospel. This is the hope of the gospel. That Jesus, through his offering on the cross, made peace on our behalf with God. And because of that, we can have a relationship with him. Not because of our righteousness, not because of our perfection, not because we can keep all of the rules, but because Jesus did it and made a way that we could come to the Father. This is the glorious hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, I, I went to an extended invitation. Maybe, maybe you are not a, a believer. Maybe you don't know Christ. I want to an ex, extend an invitation to you to come to this altar today, to begin a relationship with Christ, to become a, a citizen of the kingdom of God, to be transformed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. If you need salvation, I want you to come to this altar. But listen, if you are missing anything and you see it and you know it and you know that you need to see the kingdom of God established in your life, I want you to come down to this altar as well. I want as many as will come to get down to this altar today and receive what God has for them. I'm going to begin to move towards prayer. I'd ask that those of you that are, are ministers in this house, if you would move forward and begin to minister to those that are here.